Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Fosterkew. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame, and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hello, wonderful ones. It's the last day of January. Woohoo! And yes, please. Goodbye, January, you dick. <laughs> to celebrate, I've got yet another fuck your diet industry and your online wellness fascism episode where I'm talking to none other than the brilliant Laura Thomas. She's got a PhD in intuitive eating and is a registered nutritionist and also the author of the absolutely most comprehensive, fact-filled and practically useful home on dragging yourself out of disordered eating and or diet life uh, called Just Eat It. It's such a good book. First of all, before we get into it, though, um, just a reminder that the next Hoovering Live show is in Leicester on the 9th of February at two o'clock in the afternoon. It's at the Brewdog. Um, Google Leicester Comedy Festival Hoovering podcast and it comes up. I've kept it pretty cheap. My guests are the amazing Bake Off star Priya O'Shea and um, local farmer, conservationist and columnist Joe Stanley. Um, there are discount tickets if you want to become my patron. Go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod and you'll see all sorts of things you can swap in exchange for, for anything from tiny to massive amounts of money if you uh, want and have spare cash. Um, then please do that. There's loads of stuff on there. Discount tickets to live shows, loads of exclusive content. Um, some point, um, either before now or in the next few days, um, patrons who give me 10 
dollars a month, uh, even if you just pop up to that tier for a month or two, um, get the Hoovering second birthday party special exclusive episode like at least six months earlier than than it's actually going to be going out. Um, I had loads of amazing former and future guests around, nine of them for a feast at my house and um, oh, we had a very, very, very funny conversations um, that I recorded and so there's a big special episode. Who was there? Um, opera singer and aerial artist Alexa Mason, um, Fern Brady, amazing comedian, um, Rose Johnson, brilliant comedian, my best mate Stubbs, Rachel Stubbings, former guest, my girlfriends, uh, playwright Steph Smith um, and some people who were there brought their partners uh, who are also super funny and interesting and lovely. Um, it was a really banging night and it's going to be a really really funny silly episode um but that's exclusively for um ten dollar patrons um from any time around now it might already even be up there um for at least half a year until I put it out on general release. I'm on tour with my show Hench. I, sh I will have just sort of gone on the road as this goes out. I'm in Bristol tonight and then I'm going all around the UK, Ireland and then I'm taking it to Melbourne as well. Uh, tickets for all of that are on my website, jessicafosterq.com and then click on My Doings. Um, a lot of them are sold out. Some of them aren't uh, especially keen for you to come or if you know anyone who lives in places like um, Bridgewater and Shrewsbury. <laughs> Colchester, I'm in a massive venue. Birmingham, I'm in an enormous venue. Newcastle's pretty huge. Brighton's pretty huge. Those are places I'm especially keen to still be shimmying people along to come and see the show. I'm still adding the odd date here and there where places have sold out. Bristol's sold out for three, three nights in Bristol now. Um, but it's just finding the time to fit new dates in. But if there's demand for it, I'm going to really try and do it. I hope to see you there. Come and say hello if you come to one of those. I'm really... Um, a big chunk of the show is about uh, the diet industry and I, I'd love to talk to any people that listen to Hoovering um, and I especially want you guys to come to the tour show. Anyway, <clears throat> should we just have the podcast? It's a lot of faff from me today, wasn't it? Sorry. <laughs> um, I met Laura with a small rucksack of uh, full of vegan chocolate, which was actually gifted... Uh, by a kind listener who came to my show called Penny. Thanks, Penny. And I met Laura at her place of work, which I didn't even know existed, and I'm so happy it does. It's called the London Centre for Intuitive Eating in Hackney. Would you mind giving us a quick breakdown of what a nutrition counsellor is <laughs> and um, and how you might differ from other people who other people get their nutrition advice from? Yeah, so nutrition counsellor, full disclosure, is somewhat of a made-up term. Right, lovely. <laughs> but so I am a registered nutritionist with the Association for Nutrition, so I'm legit in right. that sense. But I suppose where most people come to see a nutritionist, they're expecting a meal plan. Right. They're expecting, like, really didactic, prescriptive advice. Do this, yeah. do this, do this. That's not my vibe. Um, we bring in a lot of counselling skills, so... Um, things like motivational interviewing, um, acceptance and commitment therapy for people who are like therapy nerds. Yeah. We're trying to, we're, we're, we're bringing together nutrition and counseling. So right. it, yeah, nutrition okay, counseling. <laughs> so we're not therapists. We work closely with therapists because most of the clients that we see have either active or a history of an eating disorder or okay. disordered eating. Yeah. Fair enough. 
I'm just stepping in right here at the start to explain that um, we had just been talking uh, previous to this next bit of conversation about how I had a sense that generally nutritionists and dietitians often have some extremely fat phobic philosophies underpinning their work. You know, if you go and see a nutritionist, and as a rule, they're going to have that as their end game, which makes right. me feel like, I suppose, confused and sad yeah. that that's a community where people with disordered eating and eating disorders are going for their advice if ultimately they're going to have their illness kind of psychologically confirmed. So this is a huge concern that we have, well, I have yeah. about my profession and it's something, you know, we had like a little team meeting earlier and this is really wanky, but just stay with me. We were talking about <laughs> our kind of values as an organization yeah. and we were just talking about this idea uh, about how we want to help grow and develop and challenge some of the dogma within our profession because yeah. you know f for not to sound too lofty but like for the greater good because yeah. I see so many people get into nutrition and dietetics to, to validate their own eating disorders and disordered eating yeah. and then they go out into practice and they're projecting those issues right back onto their clients and I talk about this in my book but there's a, a study of US based dietitians that showed that about 50% of the sample of like 2000 so you know a fairly big sample had symptomatology that was congruent mm. with orthorexia nervosa or a, a really unhealthy obsession with healthy eating yeah. um, and we're not sure which way it goes like if people are attracted to the profession because they have an underlying issue with food or if they develop it through the course yeah. of study or, or what way around that relationship is but we know that there's it's probably a bit chicken and egg isn't yeah. it really like yeah. if you're if you're somebody who's yeah yeah to, obsessed with eating then you're gonna why wouldn't you try and have a career in it and monetize you're good it, at it. Yeah, yeah exactly or and or i can imagine if you if you're reading a lot of stuff yeah all the time or then yeah it could go that way around as well but i or, appreciate what you're saying about the fact that people have like a, a a conception about what a nutritionist or a dietitian is and yeah and we're like the food police and we tell people what exactly what to eat and what mm. well more often than not what not to eat um and i think you know the the type of work that we do here is very much antithetical to that yeah absolutely and uh, it makes complete sense to me that it all ties in with a more um counseling approach than mm -hmm. you know a kind of sit down interview here's a a strict list of what to eat uh, uh, telling people what to eat mm -hmm. and what not to eat kind of point of view which is the i mean i i uh would never have thought about my eating as being an eating disorder until I sort of sourced it out in CBT therapy. Yeah. Like it's, um, oh, in the process of. But it's so, I don't really know how you'd do it just with a set of rules or someone, I spoke to some, I had a guest, an amazing guest who um, talked about a history with, um, you know, quite serious bulimia and they had a nutritionist yeah. work through them with it. It just every day said, Eat, eat, eat three meals today and it was that simple and so I suppose in some ways a kind of very direct approach is going to be really helpful but 
I don't know, I think looking at the whole picture. And And I mean, and that's not to say that with some of our clients, we don't take more of that didactic approach because some of them need it, especially if they're in the early stages of of eating disorder recovery. But Mm. we use a framework called client-centered care, which comes from therapy. This this old white dude, Carl Rogers, pretty smart guy but essentially what he talks about which we try and embody here is that in order to help facilitate change the the primary thing that you need you don't need cbt and tricks and all Mm -hmm. of this that stuff can help obviously but fundamentally you need to have a good relationship with the person sat opposite you and you need to be present and connected and in the room and listening to what they're saying and they need to perceive that they are being listened to right and fundamentally that's what you need for change um in in a kind of therapeutic sense and and that's what we try to bring to each individual who walks through this door we are meeting them where they're at now sometimes where they're at is that their eating is so chaotic and so all over the place that they need that just a bit of gentle structure and a bit of support other people need to really like learn some coping skills and coping tools and learn that food is not bad but it's not medicine either um you know like they need to learn that nutrition isn't perfect um and we can do some of that sort of psychoeducation with them um so yeah we just the point that i'm trying to make is we meet people where they're at it's amazing it's so amazing (laughs) oh god i wish i'd known about it I think maybe, but then actually I think what I needed to, and in the end what I realised I needed to do was a lot of letting go. Like even a food diary was too much structure. Oh yeah, no. I'd been trying to um, crowbar structure into a life where it didn't fit. But I was doing it lots of other ways as well, I think. I was yeah. trying to cram way too much in a day, just life-wise. Yeah, yeah. Funny, isn't it? And I think, I mean, that fundamentally, disordered eating, eating disorders are ways of coping mm. with the messiness of life yeah and you know we understand that and appreciate that and 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 see that for a lot of people what they're holding on to is is a set of coping skills yeah they they haven't they've served them in a lot of ways they've served that person in a lot of ways um and so what we're trying to to do is to help someone learn new ways of coping and we work like i said we work closely with therapists so when it's out of our depth we're like <laughs> here you go yeah. um but but teaching some skills and and then learning flexibility and intuitive eating and yeah that's kind of how I we do it. things and do you mind i mean i, I mean that your book yeah just eat it is pr- that behemoth like, over there it's beast but it's so it's so readable it's and it's um i was saying just before we start recording but it's like the most accessible but also academic and kind of like but I mean I I mean it entirely complimentary I mean it just feels so you know densely researched and it it just feels and then I just throw lots of swear words in there I I mean I fucking love that yes please but there's little tasks and stuff to do it feels um oh very sort of practical Uh, but uh, so I I mean I think uh, you can get you get such a comprehensive view of intuitive eating from the book but for anyone listening to this who's never heard of it just in case it would you because I'm constantly trying to sum it up but I'm a comedian um would you as an expert (laughs) in it have a a nifty way of kind of just saying what intuitive eating is it's hard isn't it yeah so (laughs) you know this is kind of my bread and butter and I still struggle (laughs) to come up with a concise explanation of it 
But um, so I, I cannot take credit for this model at all. Mm. It was developed by a couple of dietitians in the 90s who, um, the, uh, Evelyn Tribley and uh, Elise Rash, who have had the great uh, honor of, of training with and learning from. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, Evelyn went to uh, we went to Fortnum for afternoon tea one afternoon. That was fucking amazing! Great. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, yeah, they're they're wonderful and they're they're really supportive of people doing this work um, and kind of you know moving this paradigm forward. Yeah. So um, yeah, so I, I've I've trained with them, but they so they came up with this model in the nineties. So it's actually it's nothing new. It has yeah. it kind of. Um, it's had a sort of resurgence in the past couple of years, but it has been around for eons. And what was, so they created something at the time that I think sort of, we could probably argue that that it traces back to the fat liberation movement yeah. of the sort of 60s and 70s and um, just this sort of, bubbling idea that that diets don't work yeah. and um that that people in all body shapes and sizes deserve respect and so it's kind of an evolution of of that arguably yeah. um and so they understood the literature at the time to be essentially and i'm massively oversimplifying this but but diets don't work you get caught in this dieting merry-go-round and so they were left with the question of well if not diets, then what? How can we help support people have a healthy relationship with food that's mm. not contingent on all of these external rules, but also the kind of internal beating yourself up for perceived um, breaking those rules or yeah. falling off the bandwagon or whatever it might be. So they came up with um, this framework, intuitive eating. It has 10 principles. And I think essentially what it does is it helps you break down all the external rules restrictions and all that back and forth and noise that we often have in our heads mm -hmm. about what to eat when to eat and how much to eat helps you kind of clear all that out and then learn how to reconnect with the messages that your body is sending you for hunger satiety fullness satisfaction well-being um and that's not to say that you don't use your brain you you 100% do to think yeah. about, you know, okay, if I if I don't have something to eat now, then I might get over hungry and that's going to cause problems for me later. So yeah. it's this sort of mind-body integration that they yeah. talk about, which I think people sometimes miss that nuance. Um, and so, yeah, you're breaking down all those rules and restrictions, learning how to reconnect your, with your body and, and, let, and, and trust your body, build trust in your body, um, while also kind of understanding why, for example, you might eat for emotional reasons, which yeah. is a whole thing that we could talk about, which I would love to talk about. Yeah. Um, and then towards the end of the process, we would integrate um, sort of intuitive movement and what's called gentle nutrition. So that's kind of approaching these supportive, these, these behaviors that are supportive of overall health, but in a very non-rigid, non-black and white. Sure. So way. exercise and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, it's so interesting. That was not succinct at all. Yeah. No. It was <laughs> perfect. But also, I had no idea of the history of it. So that's fascinating. That's the first time anyone who listens to my podcast 
would you know have learned that on this podcast it's amazing it's so interesting I but I think, think it's that, really important to give yeah that kind of kudos because we're like the work that I'm doing is like I didn't come up with any of this of course well I you know I've kind of put my own spin on it and sure. thrown some swear words into it no you ultimately... well don't yeah don't you should take praise where it comes <laughs> yeah, the praise is for you but no I get it when you're like it wasn't credit where credit's due it's yeah. the origin of the idea but also I don't know I think I had a total misconception about it I, years and years ago I had a therapist give me fat as a feminist issue to read <gasps> I know so problematic right so problematic I am I read it and I was like at the time was like oh I could eat what I want when I want and I'd kind of taken that from it but the the more it sort of sunk in I also took the message from so I at the time this is a long time ago was like to a few friends like I've read this fascinating book and um and they and they read it and, and I was like oh well this is weird we've all taken completely different things from it Interesting. Well, three of us had all taken a completely different message from it and not very nice ones I mean I remember taking from it the I the idea was like, oh, if you're fat, it's because you're doing that on purpose to f- so that you're saying to the world, I, I, I've, I'm choosing yeah. to be a failure. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, God. Look back at that now and think, God. But I did take also some of the early principles of intuitive yeah. eating from it. Yeah. So it wasn't entirely toxic. Agreed. Agreed. And <laughs> and I don't think it's like it's not it's not all bad or all good. Yeah. And certainly there is some really interesting, helpful stuff in there. But it's for me anyway tainted by the depth of fat phobia. Yeah. In the book. And I yes. think that's ultimately what's so problematic about it. And this is so. And it's so. So it makes complete sense to me that I, I've never really articulated or thought about what's the break where was the break between how what's how did intuitive eating evolve if that was the kind of problematic pudding you know yeah. pond of algae that that you know intuitive eating and the rest of it but of course it makes a lot more sense if intuitive eating was born out of probably born out of the early fat liberation movement and, and I'm not and, sure and like, actually, direct, as, no. as direct as that but I think there was a but lot but it's much of more in tune with the hopeful erasure of fat yeah. phobia and equality for yes, fat folks yes. yeah. and, and Elise and Evelyn are working on the or they're gearing up to release the fourth edition of Intuitive Eating and I really hope that they bring a lot more of the kind of fat liberation or body liberation yeah. aspect and element to things because my experience, at least when I'm working with people, um, and again, I can't speak to this identity, but I, you know, will 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 send my clients towards um, Sonia Renee Taylor or Sophie Hagen or some of yeah. these other, like Virgie Tovar, these people who can speak to yeah. to that movement. Um, and if if people can tap into the social justice aspect of um, you know why we all hate our bodies yeah i think that can be enormously powerful and yeah, healing absolutely in in their kind of you know as part of that intuitive eating journey absolutely yeah mm, yum in my tongue i feel like there's a whole world of incredible uh, incredible women and people yeah. on social media now that you can you can turn your social media timeline into quite an extraordinary place I think in terms of um, bodies 
and lives yeah. and difference and diversity yeah, to sure. help you um i don't know if i was saying this before but i wonder whether it's easier sometimes if you're struggling to see beauty in your own body to at least start with reframing how you perceive beauty in other bodies yeah. by looking at these people who are brave enough to put their all sorts of bodies yeah. pictures and stories on Instagram and places like that I mean it's as much as that world can be uh, you know a playground for absolute bullshit <laughs> and 90% of it still is mm. there's a growing it's growing as a safe place for people in disabled fat non-binary trans you know yeah, bodies yeah, yeah to to have to i don't know no and certainly like i that's the way i use my social media and yeah. i really encourage my clients to as well and one of the first things we do when they come and start seeing me is i start looking at their social media through a critical lens and sort of say okay you know, how is this helping or harming you to by following this person? Mm. Um, and, and then kind of slowly and gradually increasing that the diversity that they're they're looking at on their social media feed in terms of particularly if I'm seeing someone who has a, a really rampant eating disorder where yeah. the what the, the central component to their eating disorder is that internalized fat phobia and weight yeah. stigma. And oftentimes in a lot of conventional treatment, uh, that again will be projected right back at them. So yeah. you'll, they'll hear things like, well, we, we won't let you get too fat mm -hmm. or don't worry, we won't let you become obese. That is colluding with their eating disorder. That is telling their eating disorder exactly yeah. what they want to hear. And we don't have that degree of control over our bodies. I know a lot of people who've, who've had, had anorexia and been at a very small body weight and and then grown into a bigger body because that was the body yeah. that was appropriate for them. Equally, I've had people in a bigger body who's, who have anorexia as well. Yeah. So um, anyway, the point there is that, that that really does those people a disservice and to, to try and counteract some of that internalized fat phobia, I'll get them to look at bodies which frankly make them feel really uncomfortable in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. But letting them sit with that discomfort and giving them yeah. the tools to sit with that discomfort so that when their own bodies inevitably start to change, that that's not such an overwhelming experience for them. Yeah. Oh, That's God. a theory anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it's so interesting. I, and I do question it. I, when I was, I was rereading your book and, and getting to that bit and I was thinking, I wonder how many people I follow who... I mean, it's such an interesting thing to look at your your own feed. And, and there are a couple who I look at and go, why are you in there? You're so incongruous in with all yeah. these wonderful stuff. But I kind of think I want to keep my hand, while I'm in the moments of strength at least, keep my eye or hand in the real world or the stuff that the majority of teenagers or young women or whatever are probably looking at. So I, my own personal trainer is probably pretty problematic on there. I mean, he uses all the gross <laughs> hashtags. Um, and, um, but then you get to but, a point sometimes where that stuff's just like Oh, it's really laughable. Funny. Yeah, it's so yeah. Funny. Luckily, he mixes it up with loads of spelling mistakes. And he's just lifting incredibly <laughs> heavy things up. And I find it fascinating yeah. to watch that. But then there's others, this kind of, yeah, but know. something that enough to name names. Oh, oh. <laughs> I don't know. But I know not to rude anyone, not to offend anyone. But I watched 
I, the only other person I follow, I think, I don't know why I'm doing it really, is Dame Kelly Holmes, who's extraordinary. But actually, but, but it's all fitness, it's all videos, and it's all like, and, and, and every single one says, I do all this to stay lean, to, I can eat what I like, because I love eating, and to keep lean. Uh, and it's like, uh, But I kind of laugh at it, but also, the more I watch it, I mean, maybe I'll cut this out, but the more I watch this, I think, you're, you're so ill. If you're, yeah. re- if you're doing all this every day, yeah. that's not a lovely way to live. But then I think, then I wonder whether our professional athletes probably predominantly not got the greatest relationship with eating, because they can't because they yeah. have to stay that does that would be my least favorite life to be like a boxer or a jockey or a, one of those many athletic yeah. situations where you um you need to be really fit and really strong but also yeah. really light I, it's, for work yeah i'm i'm not a sports nutritionist i've yeah. dabbled not for me not Fair the enough. one but <laughs> i am really really interested in this concept of relative energy deficiency in sport or reds right um because i see it even in people who aren't like pro athletes but are just they have maybe an exercise um dependency they're they're over exercising and it's really taking its toll on their body and so a lot of those concepts kind of overlap um, but yeah, like from my colleagues who are working in that area, the messages that athletes, particularly younger people are receiving mm. of all genders are that, you know, it's, it's very disordered. It's normalized that people with ovaries should lose their period and Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah. yeah. I did read somewhere that if you have a, a visible six pack as a woman, then you've got under 10% body fat, so you won't have your periods. It's unlikely. Oh my God, it's so fucked and, up. And, and the problem with that, it's I mean, so aside, fucked you know, up. there's a lot of problems, but you're actually, you're gonna shorten the length of that person's career. Yeah. Because they're gonna, they're, the, the chance of them getting infections, fractures, injuries, all those kinds of things is much, much higher. So, but can we go back to the yes. social media thing? Because yes. I thought of something that I really wanted to say on that. And also, just, I can't stare at this chocolate any longer without eating oh, something. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah, I'll let you do the rustling. Yeah, I'll do the rustling. <laughs> I'm really loud. I'm good at loud things. But um, I, I, don't, I don't know if you've noticed this trend recently, and I think it's really, like, it just needs to be talked about a little bit where there's like a lot of fake intuitive eating and oh, fake body God. positivity. No, I did really want to get onto this on social media. Good one. Let's get onto this. And it's it- like, it's, it's worrying because I think, you know, I'm thinking about my clients who predominantly are young women and they can be quite vulnerable to to those messages because they see them and like oh this is what we're talking about in clinic but yeah it's being filtered through that eating disorder lens or disordered eating lens yeah um and and it's you know the the message just isn't quite no i will well, i wanted to talk to you about this i i, I wonder whether there's something um I, I wonder whether there's quite uh, an integral part of our humanity that sometimes pulls us towards rules and resolutions. You know, I think in that same sense that we... It's a privilege, just a part of our humanity, I think, that makes us different from animals is that we have, amongst other things, um, the ability to have excitement and anticipation. Mm. And, in, and with that comes... 
I think a part of our psychology that does, I mean, I've done so much work to let go of this desire for resolutions, especially in January, you know, where everyone's being told to resolve, resolve, resolve. I wonder whether, you know, not to say that there isn't certainly um, a desire for fame and financial gain that is not altruistic in these people's touting of (laughs) intuitive eating essentially as another diet, Mm. but whether perhaps there is this thing of like, in the same way that it, it's almost unfathomable to say to someone you can't really fail at intuitive eating <laughs> because obviously you can't because you, the idea is you just eat what you want but it's such an enormous thing to compute that you go yeah. well, some people are going well there must be some rules within that and the rule is once you've learned to hear hunger and mm. f- hear and feel hunger and feel fullness that you abide by them and actually mm. that's next level isn't it that you're like well, actually, also, you, it's an integral part of it is you... Uh, hello. It's that you detach... Um, it is a mic drop moment, correct, whoever's upstairs. It's to detach shame and emotion and all of those negative things that you might have yeah. associated with eating and especially with overeating and under... You know, not, or, or, or eating past a point of fullness. Like, it's not something you then judge. It feels like that's what this kind of unhelpful movement on social media is it's taken the tag intuitive eating and gone eat what you want but stop when you're full and don't get fat it's it's turning it it's taking the principles and the guidelines of intuitive eating which are intended to be really flexible and gentle and self-compassionate yeah and turning them into another set of rigid rules which I naturally am kind of a rule breaker, so nice. I don't always very cool, very sexy. Identify I like a rule. I wait for the green man. All right, uh, I cross. I'm a, like I'm a jaywalker. Ah, oh, you're wild. You know, <laughs> yeah, total rebel. Um, but uh, but I understand the appeal or the 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 um, apparent appeal mm-hmm. and allure of of rules, but. To me, they're not in you know inherently innate in us. I think that that's something we've we've been conditioned right, yeah, yeah, yeah. to abide by rules. And oh, God, that's I wish so I true. Could... Actually, of course, it's not innate in us. What am I wanging on about? I think I just mean we a bit of structure, a bit of order, yeah, like you were saying. Yeah, routine I think... regularity. I think yeah. we thrive on that. We do a lot of work with parents who are trying to raise their children as intuitive eaters, or maybe they've had their own challenging relationship mm. with food. And, you know, one of the kind of the things that will help parents do in order to facilitate intuitive eating with their kids is help them eat in a regular, predictable, not super rigid scheduled yeah. way, but offer that supportive structure. And oftentimes we need that as adults yeah. as well. Like. I eat fairly routinely, but I yeah. also don't spiral if I, you know, have to go a little bit longer yeah. before I eat something or, um, like I have to change my plans or like I went to the cinema the other day and ate loads of popcorn and then yeah. wasn't really hungry for my dinner. So yeah. I had to have something, you know, yeah. that I hadn't planned. Sure. So that's what intuitive eating is. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know how completely. we got here. We're talking I know, about where did we get on to that? But I'm too distracted by the, 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 the bastardization. Chocolate. Yeah, should we just eat some chocolate? Yeah, can we start so, here? Yes, we can start because you already know this is good. I know that this is really delicious. Okay, so this is a gift from a lovely um, woman called Penny who came to Ooh. my show. Thanks, and this is called Penny. Vigo. And it's whole hazelnut chocolate bar and it's vegan. But the chocolate? Oh, God. You can get the chocolate just as 
like individually wrapped chocolates mm. without the hazelnuts in them. Oh, I'm enjoying the hazelnut element. No, it's nice to have a crunch, but I'm just saying. Mm. God, it tastes like milk chocolate. I think that is the best vegan milk chocolate. It's so good. Oh, Vigo. I can't even talk. I'm impressed. It's so creamy. Is this the first time you've tried this? I think I've had it a long time ago when I was being a proper vegan. No palm oil even. We're doing oh, so, so well. We're so good for the planet we are right now. <laughs> Just heard another tree start growing. Mmm. Purely off the back. That is yummy, isn't it? It's so good. How is it so creamy? I have no idea what they do to it. Mmm. I'm not sure. Are these tissues here for crying and or chocolate fingers? <laughs> mostly crying, but... Oh, okay. <laughs> but we do have, we have chocolates. I mean, they're mostly gone at this point, but we like to have a little bowl of chocolates out on the table. And have you seen our snack selection? I saw your snack selection and I when loved we walk it. In. It's so cool. Um, I feel like cool. um, it's a good kind of gauge of where someone is at when with their eating yeah, when they walk in and they clock the snacks and they're like hello this is not gonna be one of those types of nutrition yeah <laughs> i love it you got cheddars love corn i love this those sea salt whatever. fingers cadbury's fingers so fit yeah yes so good. We just, fingers we want to have a variety so it doesn't feel like there's good food and bad food it's just food. you know snacks Love it. Mm, delicious. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Are you completely vegan? I am. Yeah. Don't tell anyone. Don't, oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going in next and trying seed and bean extra dark chocolate Cornish sea salt. Mm, anything with salt. I really I love I really love salt. anything with salt and chocolate. Um, I, I, so I, I thought at the very, it was at the beginning of my journey with intuitive eating mm -hmm. or I'd say recovery from disordered eating. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I, for the planet, not for a distinctive love of animals, but for the planet, I wanted to try, have a go at veganism, but I thought I'll be flexible about it. And then ended up going in quite deep and doing it properly in the mm -hmm. end. 
um, probably only for about six months. And anyone who's listened to the whole of this podcast <laughs> over the course of two years would have seen very gradual, an absolute <laughs> fall from grace when it came. To, but part of it was, I just for me, it was trying to make things way less rulesy and overanalyzed on the eating front, mm. which is a bit too rulesy for me to be completely vegan. Mm. So, but I noticed just in the wording of your book that you were like, obviously. Uh, you know, if you've been diagnosed with something medical that means you absolute allergies, you can't eat things, it's different. Mm. And intolerant, you know, medical allergies and tolerances, religious reasons and yeah. ethical reasons. Yeah. Then there are certain things you can't eat. So do you think, so obviously it's possible, but um, it's totally doable to, to, to take um, an ethical ideology on eating and still eat intuitively. Here's where I... Here's how I rationalize it, I yeah. suppose. Um, and, and other people will disagree with me and I will caveat this heavily with if you are in eating disorder recovery or disordered eating recovery, please talk to the people around you who are supporting you through that before you make any decisions about cutting food groups out, mm-hmm. whether it's for ethical or in some cases even religious mm-hmm. um, reasons you know i think some religions will excuse people from like fasting Mm -hmm. for instance if they have an eating disorder so that's the kind of thing that i'm talking about um yeah so really it it needs to be thought through because my personal experience with veganism is and i and i did it for like i did it i was i went vegan like 12 years ago way before it was cool like it was very much because there was this boy in a band who was vegan and i was Yes, I'm totally creepy. Perfect also, feminist answer. Yeah. Um, so also, I'm not sure if I've ever like fully admitted that. <laughs> but also, I mean, it was a confluence of things. Like I had been vegetarian, kind of on my own accord for Ooh. animal ethics reasons, and I'm like it's just very sensitive to animals. Like Fine. I had a dream the other night where somebody hurt my cat and woke <gasps> up and was like oh my god and like went and picked her up oh. anyway it's it's like it's yeah it's it is very much an animal ethical thing to me you know i'm not totally sold on the environmental um conversation but that's yeah i'm not gonna get into that i've already had a lot of angry vegans coming after me this month so oh crikey yeah that's <laughs> tricky but um uh, yeah so so checking in with your recovery team if that's where you're at mm-hmm. um and 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 trying to understand the motivations and the intentions behind your decisions are they being filtered through your eating disorder or is that something that you know you were actually um trying to do because of your own value system um so where i come to terms with veganism and intuitive eating or any other kind of ethical decision is is in the the the, the concept or the principle of gentle nutrition. Uh-huh. So gentle nutrition is about thinking about how... That's quite a lot of steps in, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's at the end. Yeah, totally. And, you know, we very intentionally and de- deliberately leave it at the end so that we can come to it from a much uh, more self-compassionate place and, and, and a place that isn't all or nothing or black yes. and white. And... Um, yeah, so my the way that I understand it is gentle nutrition is about how food makes you feel. Yeah. And that could be um physiologically. So mm. if I, you know, if I drink 
coffee, it just sends me over the edge. Sure. Um, so I kind of try and limit that. Um, and, and in the same way, it doesn't sit well for me psychologically and emotionally mm-hmm. if I'm eating food that I knew used to have a face. Yeah. Like that kind of yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that's, that's me personally. That does yeah. not have to be everyone. And I certainly am not imposing that no. on people. And in fact, people who are coming into my clinic who are telling me, oh, I want to go vegetarian. I want to go vegan. I'm, you know, very gently helping them unpack that and explore really that. Really check why they're doing it. Yeah. yeah. And I wrote a little a little post um, on Instagram with a kind of checklist almost about thinking through, okay, is is veganism appropriate for me? And kind of thinking, yeah. is this coming from a place of self-care and self-compassion? Mm-hmm. Can I be flexible with it? Can I eat vegan chocolate, yeah, yeah. for example? Or is it coming from a, from a place of self-hatred and mm-hmm. um, restriction? And I just a desire to shrink. Things. I think a lot yeah. of people do it to shrink. Yeah. That's funny, yeah. isn't it? Um, all the times go. I, we've got one last chocolate to try. It's from oh, Hotel yeah, yeah, Chocolate. Yeah. It's um, my friend Sarah Pasco told me about these, and now I've never not got any. That in was my house. such a casual friend. She's name my real drop. friend. Oh. She told me about these, so I feel like I'm giving her credit where it's due. Uh, they're caught by. They're really hard to say. Oh, I'm, I'm just going to sound racist. They're from Hotel Chocolate, and it's spelled G I A N D U J A bomb, and they look like really. Yeah, they look they're round and dusty, but they look intense, and I think they truffly, yeah. don't they? Yeah, it's getting here. Mm. Love hotel chocolate. The cocoa mm. on the outside is quite bitter, but I think shit gets good as you get deeper mm. in. Also, I didn't really talk about this bean and seed and bean Cornish sea salt, but I loved a bold mm. amount of salt in involved. I had a really salty bit. Me too, and I was here for it. Mm. this is really good as well really dark yeah that's a lot isn't it Mm. it's 60 it's loads of ground hazelnuts in it fit that is fit isn't it oh yeah whoa (laughs) that's that's fit I've never heard food being described as fit really nice so I don't want to I'm going to ask you some silly tiny things. Ooh, okay. Weirdest thing you ever ate? Oh my god. I need to think about this. <laughs> Weirdest thing I've ever eaten. I mean, I'm from Scotland, so I've eaten <laughs> haggis. I love haggis, but I love vegetarian haggis. Well, the McSweens. So good, McSweens. So good. And I think. The don't get. Don't bother. Don't fuck with anything else. Yeah. Everything else is like second rate. Animals absolutely do not get need to get touched for you to have a really splendid haggis experience no. in life. I'm trying to think. Nothing else. I lived in Texas for like <laughs> four and a half years. Yeah. I must have eaten something really weird when yeah. I was in Texas, but I can't think what. Were you already um, vegetarian or vegan then? I was vegan mm. and that was rough (laughs) that was really rough because I was kind of in the outskirts like I wasn't in a big city I was in the most conservative place in Texas which is saying a lot um (laughs) (laughs) so that was was like the one health food shop (laughs) it was just me in there (laughs) um that I would go and get my tofurkey or whatever um 
Oh God, I can't think of anything. I wish I knew. Yeah. Did you tell me this question? No, before I didn't. So this one's a curveball. I'm sorry. Oh, right. Okay. I'll come um, back. I'll come back. Okay. Um. 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 Uh, or the other ones that I've got a tiny are even more curveball-y. But okay, if there was, a... if there was nothing else available, you just don't have to answer them if you don't okay. want to. If there was nothing else available. Would you eat a person? <laughs> <laughs> Which person? <laughs> <laughs> Great answer. Do you get that all the time? No, well, every now and again, but no. Uh, I mean, basically, I think... <laughs> I think it depends who it was. There's a million ways the question can go. <laughs> um, I can imagine. Um, five second rule, yes or no? Oh, 100. It's like 10 seconds, isn't it? Beautiful. So... I started my career in a microbiology lab, so I am not afraid of bugs. Perfect. We used to have like drinking parties in the lab, which I'm pretty sure is like illegal, but <laughs> I'm not afraid. And well, that'll be my last short question then. Hangover, do you have a go-to thing? Yeah, so this is kind of a vegan thing, maybe, yeah. but anything with nutritional yeast in it. Yum. Because, if, especially if it's fortified with B vitamins, because mm. it helps metabolize alcohol. Oh, does it? Yeah, so I'll make like a big pot of polenta. Yeah. So like, and then make mm. it kind of cheesy with a nutritional yeast Yum. with some smoked paprika in it, and then avocado and hot sauce on the top, just like a steamy bowl. Oh my God, that sounds so lush. It's I've actually really got a polenta good. curse. What? I am... Um, I have polenta every time it's available in any restaurant mm -hmm. because I can't cook it. <laughs> Wait, why? It just what? goes totally liquid. It goes like hot liquid with and then it like burns raw your face. Yeah, yeah, with raw, raw grains <laughs> in. Like it just doesn't become that lush, solid. Like you know, when you get polenta fries. Yeah, I have polenta and fries feta fries. So in this. Oh god. They're so good in the rosemary ones in Pizza Express. Yeah. Yes, please. I can't make those. Mm. I. I've never been able to get it solid enough to then fry it and make it all crispy edge. I just can't do it at home. I've tried about eight recipes and now I, be I believe, as a woman with a degree, it's a curse. <laughs> I think you're going to get so many, like, tweets, like, try this recipe. I am. It happens every time I say it. Every time I say it. Say scrum diddly umptious. No! And then you can be in my podcast. I wanted to ask about how when you're practicing intuitive eating, certainly when you're learning intuitive mm. eating, um, what you can do when you're around people that talk about their weight and dieting all the time, especially when it's people you love. I think a lot of people get it when they work with people that do it. Mm -hmm. um, I've noticed a really positive change amongst my friends, but there's just no getting away from it with my family but the next generation up um and i don't know what to do about that i can't they're not people i can cut out i well sure, that was going to be my solution cut them out <laughs> yeah um, it's fun isn't it there must be perhaps a way of building up enough armor that it doesn't yeah. knock you i do feel like I, any comments this christmas didn't get me like they yeah, did last christmas yeah and and i think um the further and the deeper into intuitive eating you go as a practice, as a kind of commitment to yourself, the less, um, the more resilience you will develop to those comments. That's mm. kind of, I think, part and parcel of going through that process. Um, I spent a lot of time right before Christmas talking to my clients about this because it's it was such a mm. thing for them just the the apprehension of of having to field off of the field off these conversations yeah. and um so we we talked a lot about 
you know, checking in with yourself, checking in with your energy in a sort of, I guess, sort of new age kind of way in a, but also in a, in a, in a really, you know, sort of, um, physical way, like where, where, where is your head at right now? Mm. Do you have the capacity to take this on and challenge this? Yeah. And you know, if not, can you, can you ground yourself using some grounding techniques or, um, if you're feeling up to, if you've checked in with your energy, can you maybe challenge that gently? And then we would talk about what they might be able to say. Um, to to kind of you don't want to get the person's back up and get them defensive but um you know thinking of things that might resonate with that person um around you know it could be a stat around diets and the failure rate yeah that might get their backs up but (laughs) (laughs) just casually drop in that 97 percent of diets don't work yeah yeah Yeah. just drop that (laughs) that bomb and and bail (laughs) um but but i think the the key really regardless of whether or not you decide to take on is just loads and loads of self-compassion and Mm. i know that can be really difficult especially in right before christmas or right around that time yeah um but if you can kind of practice that and and kind of notice what's going on for you and Mm. then use you know whatever tools you have available to you in your toolkit even if that's just getting up from the table and going and taking five in the toilet yeah yeah (laughs) then yeah do do what you need to do to protect yourself i think yeah, and it does. I feel and like also, it just sort of goes in stages as well. And not to say that there won't be, uh, you know, in my case, I, I quite often think I've nailed this now. And then you say, turns out I was two steps forward, one step back. But I have noticed that, uh, you know, last Christmas would be the first one where uh, my ears were pricked to it. And, and it made me, on the one sense, feel very, um, I suppose, sort of chuffed that how subconsciously, but effectively, I must have been cleansing yeah. my life of other of, of that noise generally to have been so shocked by the overtness of it, it mm-hmm. at that Christmas but I found that 90% of the time I just had to walk away from it yeah. but it had gone in like a little thorn and then yeah. one time challenged it when it was just ridiculous and just said what did you just say I but just... I, I think the other th- the other thing is to remember especially when it's older generations mm. um, if you think about how entrenched it is and I'm sort of similar age to you um for us then imagine like our mom's generation and our grandparents generation like they've had it more deeply entrenched than even we have so if we can even kind of conjure up some compassion for how shit it's been for them they you know they don't know that there's an alternative they don't know that there's another way necessarily i'm Obviously, yeah, 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 generalizing. Yeah. No, then, I think a lot of the people in my life who, you know, comment on your weight as soon as you walk in the room or, or you know, s- say, I think now ludicrous things about what, you know, a woman's body should be like and what their yeah. relationship with eating should be like and, and the, the, how unhappy the things they normalize are don't know that you could just stop. I think they, they, that would terrify them, the concept they don't, of they, happiness, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean you've nailed it. <laughs> um, but but I've noticed that that with older clients, there it is a deeper process. Yeah. Of excavating all of the mm-hmm. years and years and years of shit 
and and then you know relearning or letting go of those rules and restrictions that we talked about and um that's a much much bigger leap i think the further into your life you are and the 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 longer you've been dependent on these things oh god it's so true you're so lovely laura that you feel like you could have a bit of empathy is basically one of the top tips whereas i've just been like walk away from the pricks so they can swivel Either one. Either way. Either way. Okay. Either, either works. Whatever floats you both. Um, yes. Veg, uh, you don't need to ask. I, I can leave you that. I find it. Oh. If I'm honest, slightly sickly. I'm. I'm. I mean, same. But I'm going back for more. Um, but I love. I'm. I'm bang to that salty one. I've, I haven't remembered those Gianduja bombs being so. Intense. So intense. Yeah. I feel like I've had a I think, real life I feel like experience. You need there. to like. You need like a glass of something to go with them. Yeah, maybe a red wine. Yeah, or, port. or whiskey. Oh, I don't like whiskey yet. What? I'm hoping on one day when I'm really grown up, I will. Oh. Sorry to say it. To Come a over person. and I'll uh, give you. We'll, we'll do a, a, a whiskey flight and okay. we'll go all over Scotland. I love it. <laughs> and maybe Japan because they're the only other people that I consider to have legitimate whiskey. They have supposed to have some fucking badass. Right, because they Japan. stole. The Japanese went to Scotland. I don't know if they actually stole, but they took stills from Scotland. <gasps> right. Back to Japan. Oh, fascinating. That's why you get good whiskey in Japan. Nice. I've never been to Japan and I'd love to, just to eat and drink all day and night. <laughs> so, um, intuitively. <laughs> in terrible news, chairs vanish. All chairs. Armchairs, office chairs, even bits of floor that serve okay as somewhere comfy to sit on for a brief while become reclassified as chairs and also vanish. There's nowhere to sit down, ever. For a while it's okay and everyone's legs is all just a bit tired, but the real implications then start kicking in. Everybody starts losing their mind. Luckily, the chairs agree to come back, but only if you, and weirdly it does have to be you, Laura, um, read every single Dan Brown book cover to cover in every single language they've ever been printed in and you've only got a long afternoon and evening to do it. It sounds impossible, but you do it. We're saved from a chairless world. Your reward is that you're a hero of all people forever and ever and ever and you go down in history as um, uh, the saviour of all humanity. But um, your reward in the immediate um, moment um, is the feast of your dreams because actually you've been so absorbed reading um, for the whole afternoon and evening that you're absolutely hungry now uh, so your award is a feast of your dreams i'd like to know nothing has to be ethical consequences are irrelevant certainly can't give a fuck if it's healthy um <laughs> i'd like to know what the feast of your dreams would be if anything was possible what would you eat what would you drink and if there's a who with and where then who with and where oh fuck it's a biggie um can it be something that i've already yeah had yeah so i'm thinking of this is oh my god there's no rules I'm going to sound like such a dick, but just, I'm really sorry. I'm into it. Um, For my 30th, my baby daddy took me to... (laughs) Because, like, his husband sounds really weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He took me to Mexico City. Wow. Yeah, for my 30th. Um, And we went to Pujol. Do you know what Pujol is? Um, Just talk us through it. So, okay, for anyone who has seen Chef's Table mm-hmm. on Netflix. Pujol is, is one of series those. series one? I think it's very early yeah. on, yeah. Amazing. And 
fuck like i i just don't even know where to start this meal was incredible obviously i was drinking we were drinking with mezcal like really smoky pt a bit whiskeyish you know gorgeous um god i can't even remember what we ate it was so good the only thing i didn't like there was the aubergine but that's we can swap that for something else but like um i don't know it's just in the way the, the, the food itself kind of doesn't matter mm-hmm. it was because it was all delicious but it was just the environment I the experience it. like the fact that the wait the wait staff all like were synchronized like swimmers wow yeah i would i would definitely go back go there. back there perfect with your baby daddy yeah, I guess I'll take him. <laughs> I will. I love the enthusiasm of it. <laughs> no, he got like, invited. I'll take him. He's, <laughs> He's amazing. Um, and the baby, I guess, because it's still attached. Fair enough. Yeah, probably best. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. You for didn't tell me this. the timeline for this. No, so, you like, can do this whenever. Yeah, okay. Anything is possible. <laughs> if you want, you can be... Um, your baby can already be five years old and you can enjoy the mezcal again. Oh yeah, that would be good. Quantities. I would like to be able Let's to. Let's put it like that. I don't want to go there and not have the smoky booze. Not be able booze. to drink. Imagine. Yeah, bore off. Yeah, don't go there yet. You've got another five months before you can go yeah. there. Okay. 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 Fine. Agreed. Thank you. Thank you. This was super fun. What an absolutely brilliant guest. Yes, please. Follow Laura on the socials. She's at Laura Thomas PhD. And her book, Just Eat It, is absolutely brilliant. It's such a helpful, um, comprehensive, practical tool if you're looking to have a pop but eating more intuitively. Uh, if you're interested in getting direct help with that, the London um, Centre for Intuitive Eating do online courses, um, both for adults and also for adults with kids who are trying to get their kids to eat in an intuitive way that's not necessarily as um, uh, bogged down in their own baggage (laughs) when it comes to uh, relationships with eating. And yeah, before you ask, I am going to be doing that one for for me and my kid. (laughs) Come and see Hoovering Live. Next one's in Leicester on the 9th of February in the afternoon. It's cheap anyway, but there's discounts for patrons. My guests are Bake Off's Priya O'Shea and local conservationist farmer and columnist Joe Stanley. Come and see me on tour. My show Hench is on tour. Details on my website, jessicafosterq.com. That's also where you can email me if you want to get in touch and follow us on social media at The Hoovering Pod. Also, why not follow me too at Jessica Foster Q. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling other people about the podcast. Thanks for rating, reviewing and subscribing, giving it five stars. Also, huge thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast. Hoovering is produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway. Until next week, happy hoovering. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.